Welcome to On The Mic, the brand new podcast show by Yahoo Singapore. If you're new to podcasts, you can use the player to start, pause and scroll through the recording. I'm your host, Danny Osman, and today's episode is a continuation of our election series. My guest is Ravi Philemon, chief of the newly formed Red Dot United Party, which will be contesting in Jurong GRC. Just to be clear, this interview was conducted on the 26th of June, prior to nomination day. Hi, Ravi. Hey, hi, Danny. How are you? Good, good, not too bad. And how are you? Uh, I'm good, I'm good. So, um, before we begin, can I get you to introduce yourself? Um, well, my name is Ravi Philemon. People who know me call, be my, call me by my first name, Ravi. Um, I'm 52 years old. I'm happily married. Uh, I have two, two grown children. My daughter is 27, married, and she has a baby. And yes, I'm a grandfather. Wow. of a five-month-old baby. <laughs> and my son, 25, okay. he is in the social services sector okay. uh, and he is helping people who are homeless. Wow, yeah, okay. So that's about me, yeah. So all of you guys are all very much involved in um, wanting to give back to society. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, we do everything together as a family um, and that's, uh, the most important thing to me, the family is the most important thing to me. And uh, yeah, so we do a lot of things together. Oh, that's great. And um, things have been shaping up really fast for Red Dot United. Um, can you tell us what that's been like so far? I know, right? It's been a roller coaster ride. Yeah. You know, we applied for, the regist- for approval from ROS on the 26th of May. And, uh, we, and we got our... Approval on the 15th of mm-hmm. June, an election was called, what, a few days ago. So we barely had like a few days to prepare for the election, right? Mm-hmm. So tell me the, the roller coaster ride and the intense heat and the, and the stress of having to prepare for an election immediately after you get the registration. It's, it's tough. It's a stretch, but uh, it's something that uh, we are willing to do. Um, because it's a cause that we believe in. And um, can you tell me what's behind the party's name and what your main platform or message is going to be for the election? Okay. Uh, well, um, you know, a lot of our party members are young people who are in their 20s mm-hmm. and 30s and early 40s. In fact, I am the one of the oldest uh, members in the party mm-hmm. um, and we were sort of like trying to go with uh, well I was trying to go with a more traditional name right for a political party mm-hmm. right like uh, Singapore United Party or something along, along those lines something with right? party in it la. yeah okay. yeah okay. right and and the young guys who are in my team were like no Ravi we shouldn't go that way it's so old and tired you know we should go with something fresh mm-hmm. that will appeal to the young people you know so um, and we were toying with many different names you know uh, I was still me, me being in my 50s right well not later I'm 52 like so mm-hmm. early 50s but still uh, still I think I'm the dinosaur in, in the party <laughs> <Okay>. la. <laughs> so uh, and so they were so it's like trying to like go with Red Dot Alliance mm-hmm. you know uh, and and so the team was like no let's go with Red Dot United you know because it it sounds it sounds uh, very appealing to the new generation 
uh, red dot, of course, refers to Singapore. Singapore has been referred to as a red dot when we celebrated our SG50. Mm-hmm. Uh, the logo was a red dot and the 50 was in between the red dot, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. um, we, uh, red dot to signify Singapore and united to signify that we can do all things if we are united. United we can. So uh, that's how we went for that name. And what's your the party platform or message going to this uh, GE? Uh, we we believe that uh, uh, we should explore new uh, directions together. Mm-hmm. The post-COVID-19 world is going to be a totally different world. Yes. Um, a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. Um, a lot of businesses uh, are going to be no more. So it's going to be a very different world. If technological disruptions had disrupted many sectors and industries before the pandemic, I think post-pandemic is only going to accelerate. So, um, so I think that will be our focus. That should be our focus mm-hmm. um, because uh, I think uh, Singapore will have to reshape itself. Singaporeans have to adjust in a very difficult period, mm-hmm. and I think that uh, I think that the vote is a very important tool at this in this period of time mm-hmm. because with a vote, Singaporeans can point the government towards the right direction, mm-hmm. a direction which would benefit Singapore and Singaporeans, regardless of the outcome of the uh, of the results, right? Every vote points towards a certain direction, mm-hmm. and that will be our focus. And um, in terms of these um, post-COVID issues that, um, post-COVID world issues that you talked about, um, does the Red Dot United right now have any kind of proposals for how to navigate this world? Or are you uh, aiming I, to be there no, as a voice of the people? Sure. I mean, just not to be a voice for the people. We, we, uh, we not just us, right? Many, uh, many Singaporeans would want to give their voice mm-hmm. to many different causes. And that is good. That should be encouraged. Mm-hmm. We should always like uh, listen to one another's ideas and proposals and perspectives on different issues. Uh, we may not necessarily agree with every idea and, and perspectives, but still we should respectfully listen to every every proposal and be prepared to change our position where we have to. Uh, I, I strongly believe in that, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, for, for as for the new economy, I believe that uh, a lot of our policies are very rigid mm-hmm. um, and, uh, they, and Singaporeans are not given a lot of options by uh, many of our policies. So going into the post, uh, post-19 post uh, crisis world, right? Mm-hmm. I think our policies have to become more flexible and uh, there has to be more options given to Singaporeans, right? So, I mean, just take the CPF as an example, right? Mm-hmm. The CPF is a great system. Not many countries have this uh, CPF system, right? right? Yeah. But it is such a rigid system. Like, for example, I have friends who, who are like in senior management positions mm-hmm. in, uh, um, in like the oil and gas industry and so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. And then they've suddenly lost their jobs. And, uh, uh, and now they're working as security guards. Or, uh, or grab drivers, you know, mm-hmm. can you imagine how demoralizing that could be to someone who is in their 40s or 50s, right? Yes. Okay. So, um, uh, and then they look at their CPF statement, 
they have hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. in their CPF statement. And it's like, wow, if I could just take 10000 out from there, it could help me out in this difficult period. You know, maybe I could start a business of my own, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I think that this, uh, and but they're not, but they're not able to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's that inflexibility, right? Why can't people borrow from their own CPF funds when they are in a crisis? Mm-hmm. You know, they could always pay it back over a longer duration of time when they are able to. So I think these are some of the policy changes which needs to happen. Uh, I believe our policies are very rigid and mm-hmm. there can be more flexibility built into them. And going into the post-pandemic world, this is what uh, this is one of the things which will make us nimble um, in being able to navigate and be successful in the post-pandemic world. And uh, recently, you know, in these uh, the national broadcasts um, by our various ministers, including Thaman, um, mm-hmm. about the pandemic and all that, they've um, Thaman especially has talked a lot about. Um, improving like the social compact between citizens right. and the government. Um, do you think right. it's this is a product of the government actually listening to what's been all all the social issues that have been raised by various groups and so on? And do you sure. do, do, does that does it give you confidence in them being able to address sure. it? Sure. I mean, I believe that the government is always listening. They always they have to listen, right? Mm-hmm. They have to listen to be relevant, right? But the question is, what do they do after listening, right? Because mm-hmm. Sometimes we are we are so invested in a certain way of doing things. We are so invested in a certain way of thinking. Um, we are so invested in a certain way of speaking that we are hesitant to try out new things, right? So I mm-hmm. think that that's one of the binds that uh, this government is in, right? Like, for example, um, the, uh, 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 the government has said that uh, Singapore has got to be uh, an open society. We have got to bring in uh, foreign talents, even in the post post uh, pandemic world. Mm-hmm. And and I agree with that. I believe that Singapore must must remain a globalized city. Mm-hmm. But even as it remains a globalized city, the the privilege of citizenship has got to be accentuated. What's the privilege of citizenship, mm-hmm. right? Uh, like for example, while the um, while we keep our shores open and invite foreign talents to come and take up more permanent jobs here, what's being offered to Singaporeans? Mm-hmm. I hear that Singaporeans will have to take up more traineeships. I hear that Singaporeans will have to take up more internships. So while the foreigners are enjoying permanency with regards to their jobs, Singaporeans will have to put up with things which are more temporary in nature, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, this is something which adds to the stress level of Singaporeans when they're so stressed about their own livelihood, so stressed about their own families. How can you put your hands to the to put your hands to the wheel and steer the country towards a different direction? So these are my concerns. So is your vision of, let's say, if you guys do get into government, into parliament, uh, is your view of your relationship with the government not so much combative, but more um, complementary? Yeah, of course. I, I, I personally uh, don't believe uh, in the grandstanding. Mm-hmm. I don't believe uh, that, uh, I don't believe you need to be aggressive. I believe that uh, I have many friends who are from the PAP who are MPs and who are ministers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have many friends, and uh, 
I think all of them are good people, but it's not about the people. It's not about the people who are in the government, right? It is about the future of Singapore mm -hmm. and it's about the future of Singaporeans and which policies will benefit Singapore and Singaporeans best, you know, and uh, we must forge a way together. Okay, and I'm moving on to your party's plans for Jurong GRC. Um, could you tell mm -hmm. us a bit more about your teammates? Um, how experienced are they and what do you think they bring to the table? Sure. I mean, for me, I, Jurong is not uh, not new to me. Mm -hmm. um, my first marital home, as in like after I got married, I bought my first, first house in uh, uh, Bukit Bato, mm -hmm. East 74, which is in Jurong, Jurong mm -hmm. GRC. Um, and we were there for a number of years. Mm -hmm. I have friends, I have classmates who live in uh, Jurong East, Jurong West. My some of my family lives in Bukit Bato, Jurong East. So Jurong GRC is not uh, not a constituency which is new to me. Mm -hmm. uh, in my younger days, I grew up when I was in secondary school. I grew up in Clementi Avenue Two, which mm -hmm. is also in Jurong GRC. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not an unfamiliar terrain to me. So you're a lifelong uh, Westsider. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the same for Michelle as well. You mm -hmm. know, she uh, she has she grew up very near the Jurong GRC. Um, and so uh, I, we are very familiar with this particular estate, right? So to, to the extent where uh, some of us said, uh, when we decided that we would contest this election, some of us said, well, it's going to be Jurong or nothing, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, of course, of course, we said it just, but yes. because we are so familiar with the, uh, with the constituency, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, speaking about experience, like I said, we have a uh, we have a diverse team. Mm -hmm. We have a young person who is contesting on our team, uh, Nicholas Tang, mm -hmm. who is 28 years old. He's a legal engineer. Mm -hmm. uh, I know, right? What's a legal engineer? Yeah, I was, right? I was wondering the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a very niche job mm -hmm. idea, uh, which has got to do. Uh, well, he's an, he's an international law firm, so it's best that uh, he describes himself, okay. you know. But I think uh, he tried to be a gamer as well mm -hmm. uh, before he be, be, before he took on this job. Okay. So I think it's yeah. kind of cool, right? That mm -hmm. hey, we have the, we may have the first gamer uh, <laughs> MP, right? <laughs> that, would, that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. And uh, we have Liana, who's mm -hmm. uh, who's uh, the author of The Once Homeless, the book, you know, mm -hmm. has yes. a real story, right? She, like, I found her in the Sambawang Beach homeless in the year 2009 mm. and look okay. where she is now, you know? So yes. she she made something of herself. Uh, I mean, going by our Facebook likes and comments and mm -hmm. shares, she seems to be the biggest star in the team, mm -hmm. you know? So, <laughs> so uh, she feels about issues for the lower income. She feels mm -hmm. she's an entrepreneur herself. Mm -hmm. uh, so she she faces lots of challenges that entrepreneurs face. Mm -hmm. um, so she is very passionate about entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. about families that are in need. Uh, she works for an for a woman's uh, woman's organization. Mm -hmm. uh, so she feels about the rights and privileges of women. Um, yeah, and then we have Alec Talk, uh, who is a 
uh, who's a theatre director. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alec Talk is not an unknown person as well. He has contested in the 2011, um, 2011 general election, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I mean, with the, with the emphasis now in on the creative industry, yes. I think he's, he is a great person to have on board our team. So we have a fantastic team going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a vision for the ward, uh, and uh, we are ready. Are there any specific changes you guys might look to bring about for Jurong GRC? Like um, any plans in store? Well, I think Jurong is a very diverse, uh, yes, diverse constituency. Um, like from Clementi to Jurong East mm-hmm. to Bukit Bato to Taman Jurong and uh, the old Jurong West, Jurong West Street 42 and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And each community has got its uh, own challenges. It's got a different mix of people, mm-hmm. right? So you can't really like uh, talk... Uh, well, while you can have broad, uh, broad ideas for the entire constituency, mm-hmm. it also has got to be specific to the community there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for example, when we, when we talk about Clementi, many of the flats there were built in the late 1970s mm-hmm. or the early 80s, so which means that the owners there could be the owners of the HDB flats there could be concerned about the leaf decay decay problem. Mm-hmm. So how do we uh, how do we address something like that? Should we uh, propose uh, something like uh, SARS for life? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know that now SARS only benefits about four percent of HDB yes. owners, right? Mm-hmm. Is there a possibility to make it uh, available to uh, to all HDB flat owners? So these are the type of conversations that we hope to push and it'll be specific to the specific communities in the constituency. And since um, RDU was formed, um, what's the reception been like? How, how much ground have you covered in the GRC so far? Uh, we have, co- I mean, like I said, we just got our registration yes. like on June 15, right? Mm-hmm. So there's only that much work we could have done mm-hmm. in that short well, less 10 days or so, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so if I say that, yes, we have done extensive work, I would not be honest. Mm-hmm. So I would say that we know the constituency because we have lived there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have friends there. We have family there. We have we have walked the ground. Uh, we know the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we understand the communities. But if you ask if RDU has done extensive work as a political party mm-hmm. in that constituency, I have to be very, very honest that it's been just like 10, 11 days since we got our mm-hmm. approval. So we have done as much as we can. Do, do you guys have your volunteer base um, set up to work the yeah. ground like in the next few weeks? Yeah, of course. Okay. We, uh, like I, uh, we have volunteers. Uh, we have supporters who have come on board to say that they will help us, especially after we have announced that we are going to Jurong. Um, it may not be a very large volunteer base, mm-hmm. like what the PAP may have with their People's Association and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these are good people, uh, young people mostly. I'm, most, mm-hmm. I'm very excited about the young people who have come on board, uh, young people who decided to come and help us after they asked us questions about like climate change, right? What's mm-hmm. our position on climate change? Um, and uh, once they hear us out, they ha- uh, oh, what's, what's our position on the gig economy, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, 
and once they hear that our views are very much aligned with, with theirs, they're ready to come on board and get and uh, and work with us. You know. Well, that's good to know because uh, I mean the the general impression is still there that many of the young are still quite apathetic about politics. But you right. seem to be saying something different. What what are the issues that you've received from younger people about what's important to them in this GE? I think we have received at least two or three pointed questions mm-hmm. on climate change. Mm-hmm. So. We do know that climate change is very important to young people, mm-hmm. and that will uh, and being a very young party uh, with many young people in our political party, that would be something that something which we will talk about, mm-hmm. and uh, also the gig economy, right? Many mm-hmm. young people. Uh, I mean, even my son's friend, right? My son's twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he graduated maybe like a couple of one and a half years or two years ago. And uh, thankfully, he has, he has found a full-time job. Mm-hmm. But many of, of uh, his friends who graduated at about the same time as him are not able to find a full-time job. They are still freelancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are still interning. Yes. So there's a lot of uh, insecurity, right, when it comes to... Uh, when it comes to jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Not like when I, not like when the time when I was young, when I was in my early twenties, mm-hmm. uh, there were more opportunities which were available to me, and these opportunities were more permanent. It allowed you to build a home, uh, it allowed you to build a family, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, it is this this security which uh, the young people of this generation that they that they which they lack right and then when you don't have security uh you uh you become more afraid of failures um you are you are hesitant to try out new things you know so overall i think it's quite unhealthy for singapore and what about feedback from the um wider population like um, what are you hearing regarding what the big election issues might be the big election issue i think is jobs mm-hmm. you know, because um, uh, many people will lose their jobs um, and uh, that's weighing in on a lot of people's minds mm-hmm. um, and uh, many people may have already lost their jobs mm-hmm. right so um, yeah so that would be the biggest issue on everyone's mind and uh, yeah so I think uh, I mean even with jobs you know a temporary job doesn't give you a lot of uh, confidence, mm-hmm. you know. So we ha- we really have to look for more permanent uh, jobs for Singaporeans. And um, going back to the pandemic, what do you think the its impact has been on this election season um, for yourselves or the other parties? Um, how much more on a losing foot are you guys because of it? Oh, definitely, because um, the prime minister and his ministers had already given their speeches right way before the election was called. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, they were already campaigning before the election was announced. Mm-hmm. And then we cannot, we, we only can go and do outreaches in groups of five. So mm-hmm. that's very, very limiting. Um, and uh, you cannot have rallies because it's only in rallies that you can effectively communicate your message to the masses, you see, and uh, many of them may not have access to, 
especially the older generation, they may not have access to internet. Mm-hmm. Um, they may not have. They may not uh, go on to TV or radio mm-hmm. uh, when we are on it to listen to what we have got to say and and so on and so mm-hmm. forth, right? So uh, I think it's very 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 difficult. It's going to be very difficult for the opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think. Um, Still, Singaporeans have got a very powerful tool in their hands. I think the vote is a very powerful tool because with your vote, you can point the government towards the right direction. Mm-hmm. You see? So um, I think regardless of, I mean, for us, for Red Dot United, regardless of we win or we lose, you know, we know that we are in a very tough uh, constituency. Mm-hmm. We know that uh, the PAP is a Goliath, mm-hmm. and the uh, and Mr. Darman is probably the biggest of the Goliaths, right? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so uh, we know that we are in a very very tough uh, constituency. Mm-hmm. But still, we we want to communicate this message that with your vote, you can point the government towards the right direction. Regardless of we win or if we lose, we want Singaporeans to use their vote to point the government towards the right direction, a, r- a right direction where Singaporeans would benefit, a right direction where Singapore has a brighter future. Mm-hmm. And what do you think of the government's uh, handling of the pandemic so far? And do you think it's going to give them an advantage in the election? I think... Um, it has been mixed, right? I believe mm-hmm. the government handling of the pandemic has been mixed. Uh, they did go from being a gold standard, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, well, their uh, their lack of foresight in the foreign workers dormitory uh, proved to be the the undoing of the gold standard, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think uh, well. Uh, Mr. Lawrence Wong admitted as much that uh, that um, foresight, you know, it's uh, or high, uh, well, hindsight, hindsight or foresight, and I'm always like confused between these two. Right? Hindsight mm-hmm. or foresight is always like 2020, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think we need a government which is which has more foresight, um, and uh, 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 we need a government which is honest with its people. Um, why I say honest is because, you know, first they say no mask, mm-hmm. you know, then you can wear mask if you want to, then suddenly masks become uh, mandatory, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and when they say no mask, the real reason uh, is probably because uh, they didn't have, they were not sure if they had enough masks for the healthcare workers mm-hmm. uh, in the essential in the essential industries, right? Mm-hmm. And uh and that only came out in the leaked audio tape, mm-hmm. you know. And why couldn't they be more honest with Singaporeans, mm-hmm. you know, and say like, "Hey, um, we have a stockpile of masks, but we're not sure if the workers in the essential, the in the essential industries, if it's sufficient for them, you know. Why don't you make do with uh, uh, with homemade masks and?" Uh, uh, non-surgical mask, you know, while we try to procure more for more for all of you. So a more honest statement like that. And I think Singaporeans would have appreciated that, mm-hmm. right? So I think we need an honest government which will have an honest conversation with Singaporeans. Right. 
And um, just to move the conversation a bit towards your time at the Progress Singapore Party, um, mm-hmm. do you think that your your departure and Michelle's departure has had an impact on the public perceptions of both your parties? Well, I think a lot of people do not know that I had plans to form a political party mm-hmm. long before I joined the PSP. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we dropped our plans uh, after PSP was formed, mm-hmm. I mean, which which was why we uh, uh, we were so quickly able to form up uh, and organize after I dropped out of uh, PSP. Right. When you say we, PSP. you mean you and Michelle, is that right? Uh, well, Michelle was initially not included in it. Okay. I only started talking to Michelle uh, after uh, I left mm-hmm. PSP. Right. Uh, and but. The others who are in PSP, we had plans to to form a political party mm-hmm. long before PSP was formed. You know, we had like we had like consulted lawyers on our constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we knew what the steps were mm-hmm. to put uh, to put in a registration and so on and so forth. Right, which is why I left PSP in early May, mm-hmm. and two weeks later, I was able to put in an application to be registered as a political party, right? So it was not uh, uh it was not a uh it was not a hasty decision. It was a decision which we had thought about a lot even before I formed uh, uh even before I joined PSP. Mm-hmm. And I don't have an acrimonious relationship with PSP mm-hmm. or Doc as well, you know. Uh two days ago I dropped a note to Doc mm-hmm. that I wished him well in his contest mm-hmm. and he replied me saying that uh, he wished me well as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, we don't have an acrimonious relationship with anybody in PSP. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just felt that uh, both Michelle and I, we felt that uh, uh, there is a space for a for another political party in Singapore, mm-hmm. um, a political party which focuses Will be, um, will be on different issues, uh-huh. uh, focusing a lot on the youth, mm-hmm. um, focusing a lot uh, not only uh, on issues which may be brought up in parliament, but also outside of parliament. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, that is very exciting to us. Um, yeah. Going into your own personal history with politics, and uh, could you describe how you came to be involved? Like, was there a moment when you had some kind of like no. political awakening? <laughs> uh, well, it's like when I came back from the US, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in the year 2008. I felt like I came back to a totally different Singapore. I mm-hmm. left Singapore in the year 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt that Singapore had changed so much, you know, the, the, in just those one, four years. Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, it's like the like the trains were so crowded, and uh, um, it was just so different, so different, and uh, and so I was more concerned about the people who were becoming homeless mm-hmm. um, because it was during the Great Financial Crisis, right, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, mm-hmm. and uh, so I wrote an article about uh, about how you can prevent becoming homeless. I think mm-hmm. it was a very it was not a not a government bashing anti PAP kind of an article. It was a mm-hmm. very 
very very straightforward article in the center. Oh, you have to be careful on, of the size of the mortgage that you take. Mm-hmm. Don't over leverage yourself. You know those kind of stuff. You mm-hmm. see, and um, and I sent it to to some of the mainstream media to see if they would publish this article or letter, but none of them would touch it with a 10-feet pole. <laughs> yes, <okay. laughs> At that point in time, uh, the official narrative is that there are no homeless people in Singapore, mm-hmm. right? So, and then finally, the online citizen published that article. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know how things are in life. Lah. You know, one thing leads to another. Then I find myself doing more and more, getting more involved in um, in 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 the social and political life of Singapore, speaking up more often, getting to know uh, people from different spheres of influence, exchanging ideas, mm-hmm. discussing uh, different topics, you know, and and then uh, going on to helping Jeanette in her campaign in mm-hmm. the uh, twenty eleven election. Um, so a long a long part. Uh, of my political involvement was actually to help my friend, uh, Jeanette. Mm-hmm. Um, so until uh, Mr. Chum asked me if I would contest as a candidate of uh, SPP mm-hmm. uh, in Hong Kong in 2015, that was like five years ago, mm-hmm. right? And I couldn't say no to him mm-hmm. um, because I was at a different station in my life mm-hmm. uh, by that time. My daughter was already working. My son was getting ready to be called up for NS. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I can make some sacrifices for the sake of Singapore, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought of it as my national service, and mm-hmm. I said yes to him. So, yeah, that's my journey. And uh, what do you learn from your experience running in Honka in 2015? Well, I learned that uh, what's important to me uh, may not necessarily be important many other Singaporeans, okay. you know, because when uh, uh, I learned to put the interests of others above mine, mm-hmm. right, because when it comes, I come from the civil society, right, yes. uh, and when you are from the civil society, uh, you feel uh, passionate about certain causes, mm-hmm. you feel that uh, certain topics are very, very important, but when you contest an election, when you campaign during an election, mm-hmm. you realize that the concerns of the people are very different from your own, mm-hmm. right? So how do you calibrate and recalibrate yourself? How do you make yourself relevant to the people? How can you project the fears the and the hopes of the people? So that was the biggest learning point for me. And what was the most challenging part about being local politics since you've been in it for quite a while? Has it, has it all been worth it? Yeah, I think it's it's worth it, definitely mm-hmm. worth it because um, I enjoy serving the people. Like I said, I've been in the social services sector for the last 30 years mm-hmm. and uh, it's you know that the social services sector is a very challenging sector, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some people say that you are paid 20% less than other sectors, um, which I think is generally true. And the brick beds that you get sometimes, you know, for mm-hmm. trying to do your job. So it's, it's a very challenging, uh, challenging sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, hats off to all my fellow 
uh, colleagues and workers in the social services yes, sector. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, so yeah, I think I I like uh, I like people service mm-hmm. and politics is one way of me serving the people. So it's quite natural for me to move on to politics. And you've also been involved in um, Singapore's so-called alternative media scene for quite a while with like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the online citizen and the independent. Oh, what do you think of Singapore's media space today? Are there more voices around now? And is that a good thing? Uh, I think, um, we, in my personal opinion, I think um, the alternative media has, gone tamer mm-hmm. um uh, i mean there's many different reasons for it um of course posma is a very uh yes. huge I was gonna red ask about blanket that. Yes. Yeah. yeah yeah it's a very huge red blanket where people are more careful about what they say because mm-hmm. in singapore right nobody likes to be wrong right nobody likes mm-hmm. to fail right i mean the um the uh, the international exams that young people take. What is it called? Um, uh, International SNE O levels. No, no. no. Yeah. Uh, you know where uh, the young people they they take uh, they try the PISA. Oh right, okay, yes, PISA, yes yeah, yeah, yeah PISA. the PISA exam, right? The Singaporeans top the PISA exams, right? Mm-hmm. But when it comes, but the same uh, the same assessment say that Singaporeans. Singapore students have a very high level of fear of failing, mm-hmm. right? So, um, but I think you can learn a lot of things by failing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, fa- uh, failures, they teach us a lot of life lessons, which can be useful uh, to succeed later in life, mm-hmm. right? So nobody likes to fail in Singapore. Nobody likes to, to, admi- to admit that, uh, you have done something wrong, right? So they're all like extra careful when they put something forward. Mm-hmm. You know, they try to self-censor themselves. And uh, and, uh, and how useful is that to Singapore? You know, I think going forward, we need to be nimble. We need to be creative. Mm-hmm. And a law like POSMA, you know, uh, it inhibits people from, from thinking out of the box, um, mm-hmm. from from making mistakes, you know. And so it, it POSMA is so wrong for Singapore and for Singaporeans at so many levels. And before uh, POSMA was implemented, did you think that alternative media or social media had an impact on people's political sentiments? I've already I've said it before. I think uh, there is an online-offline divide yes. in Singapore. There still is an online-offline divide. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. I has been involved in the online sphere for a very long time, mm-hmm. at least since 2008. Um, and so I do consider the online space as my constituency. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to adapt and change myself and adopt new technologies um, and new ways of communicating mm-hmm. um, in the last 12 years. Um, and, uh, and I think, um, and I think, but I still think that a divide exists, right? Because not everything that's important in the online world is important to the offline world. Mm, Uh, yeah. So sometimes issues do cross the offline, the online offline boundaries. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, uh, and then, uh, 
those are different and few and far in between, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, the online world is important. It is perhaps the freest uh, public square in Singapore, mm -hmm. uh, but it's becoming more and more difficult to navigate through that terrain as well. As difficult to figure out what's the truth or to avoid being uh, getting into trouble for what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? Well, both. Yeah. Both, actually. Yeah, both. So, uh, uh, yeah, so I do support... Uh, there, there are malicious actors, mm -hmm. both state-sponsored and uh, uh, individuals with questionable motives. You know, so... Uh, we have to guard against uh, actors with malicious intent. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that there are ways to make to keep the public square more open mm -hmm. uh, so that there can be more participation and more exchange of ideas. Uh, and that can, could only be good for Singapore. And just one last question that I ask all, all my guests right now. Um, yeah. It's that, do you see a silver lining to this pandemic? Uh, what can what do you think Singaporeans can learn or gain from it? I think Singaporeans um, should learn that uh, they should become the captains of their own lives. Mm. Uh, I think um, the policies sometimes inhibit us from becoming the captains of our own lives. You know, because I mean, the Prime Minister said some years ago, right? Singapore is still a sampan two point zero, right? Mm -hmm. okay. So. <laughs> a sampan two point a sampan regardless of whether it's two point zero or mm -hmm. three point zero or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Always like ridden by one man, you know. Uh, and but going into the future, we need to be an ocean liner, mm -hmm. you know. And 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 when we are an ocean liner, we we need to adopt an approach of all all hands on deck mm -hmm. kind of approach, right? Where everybody puts their hands onto the helm and steer this ocean liner towards a future. I mean, the, the waters are uncharted, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know what the future looks like. When, when 2020 started in January, we mm -hmm. didn't know that we were going to be hit by a pandemic and look where we are today, mm -hmm. right? So the future is really uncharted. Mm -hmm. It is impossible for one person or one band of men or women to know what the future looks like, you know, but if we have many eyes, if we have many years, if we have many hands working together, mm -hmm. then I think we can we can sail together uh, more safely and with more security in a more dangerous world. And uh, from what you've seen so far, are we are you optimistic about how we're going to pull through from all of this? Well, it all depends on how Singaporeans vote. Mm -hmm. And I, like I said earlier, you know, every vote points the government towards a certain direction. So I hope Singaporeans will vote wisely, will use their votes wisely. Well, thank you very much, Ravi, for taking this time yeah. to speak to us. Right. Yeah. Sure, I, Danny. I, wish you all, I wish you all the best in the coming election. Thank you. I wish all the best to Yahoo as well. And that's it for another episode of On The Mic. If you liked what you heard, do feel free to leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. More election-related content will be coming your way very soon, so do stay tuned. In the meantime, I'm Danny Osman, wishing you a great day ahead. Thanks for listening. Listener.